look away. Oh my god, I thought you were going to make fun of me and be like, Mom. Wait, actually, no, no, no. No, restart it. Okay. Where's your phone? Go. Look away. (laughs) I was going to trick her. (laughs) Wait, just start over. They won't. No, no, restart, yeah. Start over because I want to play the actual look away. Oh, we can't because they'll demonetize us because it's from somebody. Yeah. It's like when you go on YouTube and they're like, I can't play that song. Sorry. Wow. I know. Lame, right? We're reading the book. We're doing. This is free advertisement. We're not. It's because we don't own the the rights to that song. And they could say they used that and somebody listened to it and thought that they were actually watching something that we made. Yeah, I know. Business is crazy, right? Ay, 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 ay. It's just, it's just crazy, man. It's crazy. It's crazy, crazy. All right. If there's any moms out there listening, you can send us a message because I just finished a couple scary books that are for grown-ups, and I have, I am happy to give some recommendations, but I didn't want to put them on here because they might be too scary, right? In the cover of the last book I read, that was pretty scary looking, huh? I don't remember what it looked like. Remember it had, like, the... the It, it was, like, somebody... I can't say it because it's scary. It was like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Scary. Honestly, it looked... That's why I bought it, because it looked really scary. Was it? Uh, no, it ended up... Yeah, it ended up being pretty scary. But, I mean, not... I like really, really scary. It okay. was scary, but not scary enough for the old Jen Meister. Anyways, okay. A series of unfortunate events. Book the seventh. The Vile Village. The Vile Village. I have a feeling we might do two chapters tonight because you're not tired at all. Nope. Nope. Okay, chapter six. I don't know if I can read for an hour straight. <gasps> wow. <laughs> chapter six. Although jumping to conclusions is an expression... <clears throat> Rather than an activity, it is dan- it is as dangerous as jumping off of a cliff, jumping in front of a moving train, and jumping for joy. If you jump off a cliff, you have a very good chance of experiencing a painful landing unless there is something below you to cushion your fall, such as a body of water or an immense pile of tissue paper. Mm, a body of water. I know, that would actually, yeah, yeah, because you know people that jump off of bridges and they can like break bones. If you jump in front of a moving train, you have a very good chance of experiencing a painful voyage unless you're wearing some sort of a train-proof suit. No, no, no. No, doesn't exist. And if you jump for joy, you have a very good chance of experiencing a painful bump in your head unless you make sure that you're standing on a place that has very high ceilings, which joyous people rarely do. Clearly, the situation to anything involving jumping is either to make sure you are jumping to a safe place or not jumping at all. But it is hard not to jump when you are jumping to conclusions and it is possible, it is impossible to make sure that you are jumping to a safe place all because jumping to conclusions means that you are believing something that is true even though you don't actually know whether it is or not. When the Baudelaire orphans heard from the three members of the VFD City Council of Elders that Count Olaf had been captured, they were so excited that they immediately jumped to the conclusion that that was true. It's true, one of the elders said, which doesn't, which didn't help things at all. A man arrived in town this morning with one eyebrow and a tattoo on his ankle. It must be Olaf, Violet said, jumping to conclusions. Of course it is, the, sec- <sighs> the second council member said. 
He matched the description that Mr. Pope gave us, so we arrested him immediately. So it's true, Klaus said, joining his sister in the jump. You've literally, you've really captured Count Olaf. Of course it's true, said the third woman, impatiently. We've even contacted the Daily Punctilio, and they're writing a story about it. Soon, the whole world will know that Count Olaf has been captured at last. Hooray, Sonny cried, the last Baudelaire to jump to conclusions. The Council of Elders called, has called a special meeting, said the woman who appeared to be the eldest elder. Her crow hat bobbed in excitement as she spoke. All the citizens are required to go to town hall immediately to discuss what is to be done with him. After all, rule number 19,833 clearly states that there are no villains allowed within the city limits. The usual punishment for breaking a rule is burning at the stake. Burning at the stake, Violet said. Of course, an elder said. Whenever we capture a rule breaker, we tie them to a wooden pole, light a fire underneath their feet. Is that true? Oh my gosh. Oh god. Okay, this book gets... <laughs> no comment. That's why I warned you about the members of the nut on my... The number of nuts on my hot fudge Sunday. It would have been a shame to light you on fire. You mean... The punishment is the same no matter what rule you break, Klaus said. Of course, another elder replied. Rule number two clearly states that anyone who breaks a rule is burned at the stake. If we didn't burn a rule breaker at the stake, we would be rule breakers ourselves and someone else could burn us at the stake. Understand? Um, sort of, Violet said, although in truth, she didn't understand at all. None of the Baudelaire's did, although... They despised Count Olaf. The children did not like the idea of lighting him on fire. Burning a villain at the stake felt like something a villain would do rather than something to be done by, f by foul devotees. But Count Olaf isn't just a rule breaker, Klaus said, choosing his words very carefully. He has committed all sorts of terrible crimes. It would seem best to turn him in over to the authorities rather than burning him at the stake. Well... That's something that we can talk about at the meeting, said council, Said the councilwoman. And we'd better hurry, or we'll be late. Hector, get down from that ladder. Is there a rule about being late? No? Okay. Hector didn't answer, but he got down from the ladder and followed the three members of the council city elders away from Foul Fountain, keeping his eyes on the ground at all times. The Baudelaire's followed Hector, and their stomachs fluttered as they walked through the uptown district to the downtown one where the crows were roosting where the crows were roosting as they had been yesterday then the children had first arrived when the children had first arrived in vfd their stomachs were fluttering in relief and excitement because they believed that count olaf had been captured but they were also filled with nervousness and fear because they had the idea that this might be that he might be burned at the stake the punishment for vfd rule breakers had been had made the Baudelaire's remember their parents' death, and they didn't like the idea of anyone being lit on fire, no matter how vile of a person they were. It was unpleasant to feel relief, excitement, nervousness, and fear all at once, and by the time that they arrived at town, town hall, the stomachs of the Baudelaire orphans were fluttery as the crows, which were muttering and scuffering as far as anyone could see. When one's stomach is as fluttery as that, it is nice to take a short break and lie down and perhaps sip a fizzy beverage, but there is no such time 
No time for such things. The three members of the council led the way to the large room in town hall and decorated with portraits of crows. The room was painted in pandemonium, a phrase here which means filled with elders and townspeople standing around and arguing. The Baudelaire scanned the room for a sign of Olaf, but it was impossible to see anyone over the bobbing crow heads. We need to begin the meeting called the called the called one of the councils elders find your place on the bench townspeople find your place on folding chairs the townspeople stopped talking at once and hurried to their seats perhaps afraid that they would be burned at the stake if they didn't sit down quickly violet and klaus sat down next to hector who was still staring at the floor in silence and picked up sunny so that she could see hector police officer luciana Oh, is Officer Luciana super old? Place Officer Luciana and Count Olaf on the platform for discussion. An elder, an elder ordered at least the the uh, as the last few townspeople sat down. There's no need," called the grand voice in the back of the room, and the children turned around to see Officer Luciana with a big red grin on her vis- uh, beneath the visitor of her helmet. I can get to the platform myself. After all, I'm the chief of police. That's true, another elder said, and several other people on the bench nodded their crow hats in agreement as Luciana strolled to the platform, each of her black boots making a loud clunk on the shiny floor. I'm proud to say, Officer Luciana said proudly, that I've already made my first arrest in my career as of chief police. Isn't that smashing? Here, here, cried several townspeople. And now, Luciana continued, let's meet the man we're all dying to burn at the stake. Count Olaf! With a grand gesture, Officer Luciana stepped off the platform, clunked down to the back of the room, and dragged a frightened-looking man out of the folding chair. He was dressed in a rumpled suit with a large rip across the shoulder and a pair of shiny silver handcuffs. He wasn't wearing any shoes or socks, and as Officer Luciana marched him to the platform, the children could see that he had a tattoo of an eye on his left ankle, just like Count Olaf had. And when he turned his head and gazed around the room, the children could see that he only had one eyebrow instead of two, just like Count Olaf had. But the children could also see that he wasn't Count Olaf. He wasn't as tall as Count Olaf, and he wasn't quite as thin. And there wasn't a, wasn't dirt under his fingernails or nasty, greedy-looking eyes, but most of all, the Baudelaire's could see that it wasn't Count Olaf the way that you could tell a stranger wasn't your uncle, even if they're wearing the same polka dot coat, curly wig, and curly wig that your uncle always wore. The three siblings looked at one another and then the man being dragged into the platform, and they realized with a sinking feeling that, let me guess, they had jumped to conclusions. That jumping to conclusions about Olaf's cap, that they jumped to conclusion about Olaf's capture. Ladies and gentlemen, Officer Luciana said, and orphans, I give you Count Olaf. Um, but I'm not Count Olaf, the man cried. My name is Jock, and silence, commanded one of the meanest looking elders, members of the council, members of the council elders. Rule number 920 clearly states that no one may talk while on the platform. Let's burn him at the stake, cried a voice, and the children turned to see Mr. Lesko standing up and pointing and tr- at the trembling man on the platform. We haven't burned anyone at the stake for a long time. Several members of the council nodded their heads. That, that's a good point, said one of them. 
He's Olaf, all right, said Miss Morrow, and called from the far side of the room. He has one eyebrow instead of two, and there's a tattoo of his eye on his ankle. <sighs> but lots of people have one eyebrow, Jacques cried, and I have, I have had this tattoo as part of my job. And your job is villain, cried Mr. Lesko out triumphantly. Rule 19,833 states that no villains are allowed within the city limits, so we get to burn you at the stake. Here, here, cried several voices in agreement. I'm not a villain, Jacques cried frantically. I work for the volunteer. Enough is enough, said one of the youngest elders. Olaf, you have already been warned about Rule 920. You are not allowed to speak when you're on the platform. Does any more citizens wish to speak before we schedule the burning of Olaf at the stake? Violet stood up, which is not an easy thing to do when your head is still spinning, your legs are still wobbly, and your body is still buzzing with astonishment. I wish to speak, she said. The town of VFD is my guardian, and so I am a citizen. Klaus, who had Sunny in his arms, stood up and took the place of, beside his sister. This man, he said, pointing to Jacques, is not Count Olaf. Officer Luciana has made a mistake in arresting him, and we don't want to make things worse by burning an innocent man at the stake. Jacques gave the children a grateful smile, but Officer Luciana turned around and clunked over to where the Baudelaire's were standing. The children could not see her eyes because the visitor had a helmet. Oh, because the visitor had a helmet. Visitor's helmet was still down, but her bright red lips curled to the tight to a tight smile. It is you who are making things worse, she said, and then she turned to, turned to the council of elders. Obviously, the shock of seeing Count Olaf has confused these children, she said with them. Of course it has, agreed an elder, speaking as a member of the town serving as a legal guardian. I say that these children have clearly need to be put to bed. Now, are there any adults who wish to speak? The Baudelaire's looked over to Hector in hopes that he would overcome his nervousness and stand up to speak. Surely he didn't believe that all three siblings were so confused that they didn't know who Count Olaf was. But Hector, Hector, <laughs> Hector did not raise to the occasion. A phrase here which means continue to sit in a folding chair with his eyes cast down. <sighs> After a moment, the council of the elders closed the matter. I hereby close the matter, an elder said. Hector, please take the Baudelaire's home. Yes, called the member of the Verhugen family. Put the orphans to bed and burn Olaf at the stake. Hear, hear, several voices said. One of the councils of the elders shook his head. It's too late to burn anyone at the stake today, he said. And there is, And there was a mutter of disappoint, disappointment from the townspeople. We will burn Count Olaf at the stake right after breakfast, he continued. All of the uptown residents should bring flame torches, and all downtown residents should bring wood for kindling and some sort of healthy snack. See you tomorrow. And in the meantime, Officer Luciana announced, I will keep him up in the jail, uptown jail, across from Foul Fountain. But I'm innocent, the man on the platform cried. Please listen to me, I beg of you. I'm not Count Olaf. My name is Jacques. He turned to the three siblings who could see that he had tears in his eyes. Oh, Baudelaire's, he said, I'm so relieved that you see that you are, to see that you are alive. Your parents, that's enough out of you, Officer Luciana said, clasping her white gloved hands over Jacques's mouth. Pippet, Sunny, Sunny shrieked, which meant, wait, but Officer Luciana, 
didn't either listen or care after she quickly dragged Jacques out the door before he could say another word. The townspeople rose up in their folding chairs to watch him go and then began taking began talking among amongst themselves as, as the city oh my gosh talking amongst themselves as a council of elders left the bench the baudelaire saw that mr lesco sh- share a joke with the verhugen family as the entire evening had been a jolly party instead of meeting sentencing an innocent man to death pippet sunny shrieked again but nobody listened his eyes still on the floor Hector took Violet and Klaus by the hand and led them to the town hall. The handyman did not say one word, and the Baudelaire's didn't either. Their stomachs felt too fluttery and their hearts too heavy, even too too heavy to even open their mouths. As they left the city council meeting without any other glimpse of Jacques and the officer Luciana, they felt a pain even worse than jumping to conclusions. The children felt as if they had jumped off of a cliff, cliff jumped off of a moving train, Oh, jumped off a cliff or jumped in front of a moving train as if they stepped out of town hall to to the still night in the air. The Baudelaire orphans felt as if they would never jump for joy again. Aww. Poor Baudelaire's aren't going to ever jump for joy again. Sad, sad. Right, Peyton? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five.